since we've got no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping. And I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I hate going out in the storm. But if you really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbying. As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. I'm fine. You feeling a bit Just better? Get rid of this. <laughs> yes, I'm fine now. Yeah, good. I've been sucking your throat, sweet. I'm all right. Yeah, good. Good. <coughs> um, Is everybody okay there? Yeah, everyone's well. It's busy. Good. Because we're getting ready for hosting Christmas and um, it's our turn. So, yeah. Of course. So, yeah. it's, it was deck day today and yesterday. Do you know what that means? You no. Know, do you know what deck day is? Well, deck day is when you have to polish your decks, you know, oil your deck. Because, oh. Right. So, when you have people coming over, it makes you, forces you to do all these really small jobs that you don't normally worry about doing. <laughs> Especially when you're a school teacher, you've got all of January. Just go on, you know, not do it nice and slowly, not when you're hosting Christmas. You fit it all in the week before. And it's right. crazy. <laughs> crazy. So, um, Kirsten would say that it should have been deck day in one day instead of two. It should have taken one day instead of two days. So right. I, I work slowly but methodically, let's put it that way. If you're doing it, you do it at your own pace. Well, let's just keep that to ourselves, <laughs> won't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this, if you get distracted, it's nothing to do with anyone else. No, no, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely right. Well, I'll welcome everybody. This is our, Millie's and my final episode. Yes, we are winding up the Mondays with Millie podcast after more than 65 episodes and almost as many songs. And this is a special Christmas episode because I'm releasing this on Christmas Day. So absolutely Merry Christmas to everybody and hope that wherever you are, you're doing it. Uh, in style and and surrounded by uh, the people that you love and care about. Millie, where are you going to be on? You're going to Barnard Castle on New Year's, uh, on Christmas Day, aren't you? I am. Yes. Well, it's just outside Barnard Castle, a lovely village. But I'm going to stay with uh, Christopher and Gillian, and Alex um, is travelling up today from London. Um, so he will be there as well. That's my grandson. And there'll just be the four of us. Um, I don't, I don't think anyone else is expected. Um, but if they, they are well, they are. You know, <laughs> I'm not the hostess, so I don't have to worry. No, no, and you can <coughs> relax and you know just enjoy a nice enjoy. quiet Christmas. It's lovely. Hmm. I believe, I believe um, we're going to um, the carol service on Christmas Eve. The, the church in the village is actually next door to where Chris and Jill live. And um, a, they're just separated with a, a wide driveway which leads up to the big hall. And, um, it's, and it's a very, very beautiful church. Oh, the, the, it's almost like a mini cathedral, you know, all the, all the windows are beautifully stained glass. So uh, it should be very nice on Christmas Eve. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Well, I've got a bit of a surprise for you for our final episode. I've asked the loyal listeners, a few people, to contribute uh, some 
words of thanks and appreciation and and they've done that they've they've answered the call so i've got quite a few little recordings to play for you and i want you to think of this like we're sitting in your living room next to the christmas tree and i'm just you're unwrapping presents but they're not physical presents they're digital presents and they come in the form of well wishes and their messages so you're always surprising me i am always surprising <laughs> you so i'm going to play the first one for you and i'm going to play i'm not going to play them all at once because there's a few and some of the messages are a recorded are voice messages and some are people prefer to write things uh down so i'll read their messages to you so uh, let's start with the first one and let's see if you can pick who this first person is. Hi, Doreen. I remember a day in Australia where myself and my wife took you and John to the Studley Park boathouse and uh, we sat down and we shouted you a coffee. Uh, Australia, of course and more so Melbourne, renowned for our magnificent coffees. And, um, yeah, we spent a day there and it was lovely. And uh, But when I got home, Anne and I agreed on one thing, that it was possibly the worst cup of coffee we'd ever had. It was stone cold. So um, I'm just uh, saying to you now that I deeply apologise for that happening. Stay safe. Do you remember who that person is? I, no, I don't recognise his voice. You don't recognise the voice? Daryl. Daryl, one of my favourite Australians. Oh, he, he will be listening I, to this and he'll oh, be... Oh, I love Daryl. <laughs> yes. You're right now. Had, 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 had I been a younger woman, I would have really fancied Daryl. Oh, well, you know, Daryl... I still do, I still do. <laughs> I'll, I'll play you another one, Millie, and we'll see if you can work out who this person is. Hi, Millie. I don't know whether you recognise my voice, but I have been enjoying listening to the podcasts of Mondays with Millie from the start. And I was very disappointed I missed out on um, there wasn't one this week, but things have to slow down a bit and uh, look forward to the next one. Hope you're doing well and uh, uh, sending you loves and, and best wishes from down under for a wonderful Christmas and a healthy and great new year with lots of wonderful surprises. Bye. Well, that's Sue, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. And Daryl <laughs> yeah, will be disappointed. Daryl will be disappointed that you could recognise um, Sue's <laughs> voice, but you couldn't recognise his straight away. But I understand that as well because he's got a bit of a strange voice, Daryl. But yeah, that was that was Sue um, sending her her love and wishes, and yeah, she. Her, her words to me were when I saw her the other day. She said, "Oh, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you." And I said, what, what, what have I done? And she said, where's Mondays with Millie this week? What happened? <laughs> so I, before, I, before I read any more, I've got, um, I've got a, a few questions for you. All right, so Millie, question number one for you is, um, apart from the nickname Millie, have you ever had any other nicknames in your life? Well, of course, my father... Never called me Doreen. I don't know whether he disliked the name, but he never did. When I was when I was very small, of course, I was uh, quite tiny, and he always called me Fairy. <laughs> well, I thought that was my real name. And then um, when I went to school, when I was I was four, when I went to school, he changed it, and I became Rennie. And I remained Rennie for the rest of his. His life, you know, he always called me Rennie. Ah, oh, right. Okay, that's where Rennie yeah. comes from. Yes, that's where Rennie comes from. Why, why mm. Rennie? I don't know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Whether it was a, a form of Doreen, you know, Rennie sort of thing, I don't know. And then John used to call me Felicity. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, why? Why? There must have been. I have no anything. idea why. Well, maybe I have, but I'm not telling. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that you know, that surprises me because I didn't think, I didn't think I'd get 
that answer from you, actually. Three nicknames that you had apart from Millie. You've had quite a few then, haven't you? I have, yes. And another one was olive oil <laughs> because I was very, very thin. I really was, you know. And um, mm. I did have a long-term boyfriend who called me Olive. And I said to him, why do you keep calling me Olive? And he said, olive oil. I wasn't very happy about that <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. No, that wasn't a pleasant nickname. That wasn't very affectionate. That, that romance did not last. No, I'm sure. And good thing too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number two. These are quick fire questions. So favourite food. What's your favourite food? Oh, I like fish. I like I like I like crab and lobster and sea bass and salmon, you know. Mm. Okay. Um I know you don't. No, no, no. That's where we differ. Um, <laughs> what would have been in your at the height of your cooking prowess? Uh, what would have been your signature dish that you would have been your go-to? Uh, I wasn't a bad cook, really. I used to. Uh, well, I used to cook salmon. I used to cook salmon a lot. You know, poached salmon. Right, poached salmon with all the trimmings. Mm, with all the trimmings. Okay, so that was yeah. your signature dish. Yes. When John came home from his various trips, you know, from work, I always gave him mincemeat. <laughs> because he's, he used to stay in these very posh hotels, you see, in London. Uh, he, he was escorting the Arabs around when they came over for British aerospace. And he stayed, he lived quite, you know, quite well. And so I like to bring him down to earth when he came home and he <laughs> he got mince, mince meat or maybe occasionally pastry with it and a pie you know <laughs> and and he finished every morsel i'm sure oh absolutely yeah because he was a child of the depression of course he did yes of course he did yeah mm. superstitions did you ever have any superstitions yes I'm superstitious about, not about walking under ladders and things like that, but I'm very superstitious about mirrors breaking. Hmm. I really am. Yes, I think it's it's very bad luck. The morning my mother died, a mirror fell off the wall, just nobody was near it and broke. And the day before my father died, the same thing happened. Hmm. So I'm really quite you know, get upset about mirrors. <laughs> mm. oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting mm. one. All right. Well, before I ask you the next question, I've, I've got another uh, voice recording for you to listen to. This one comes from a very, very close friend of mine, Johnny Griffiths, uh, who I used to teach with in London. And he's very much enjoyed the <coughs> podcast and he recorded this for you. When I was a little boy in the 60s, I can just about remember a warm, all-in-one suit my mum would put on me in cold days. She called it a siren suit, and I never knew why until I heard Millie talk of her experiences in the Blitz. Thanks, Millie. <coughs> we all had siren suits. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's funny because he, he was saying that he, he was dressed in this thing and they called it a siren suit, and he, didn't, he never really connected why. Why it had it, that it, significance, yeah. Even Winston Churchill had a siren suit. Well, do you know, I think I he can... He was often photographed in Yes, it. I was going to say, I think I yeah. can picture him in that same, in that same yes. outfit. Because it was an all-in-one, wasn't it? It was this yes. sort of kind of overall thing, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. What was the idea of that? Was it so that you didn't catch any, if you were trying to cl crawl through places or things you didn't catch your clothes and um, things? I don't think like? so. I think it was mainly for warmth and, and for speed because, you know, uh, if the sirens went, you just pulled your siren suit on over your pyjamas. Oh, right. Okay. Yep, yep. So it's a quick way to get dressed. Yes. And, of course, they're like equivalent to the lounge suits you get now, you know. You get this lounge wear, don't you? Um uh, sort of uh, so that you, you, you know for people lounging around the house they mm. they don't want to wear 
their ordinary clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like um, we've got one of those. What's it called? A onesie. (laughs) They call them those, do they now? Well, I've got one. Yes. I'm not sure it would serve us very well in in a war or anything like that. I think it would just... It'd catch fire pretty quickly. I, th- I think that's. Yes. I think that's what would happen. All right. So the next uh, recording comes from Diane Bowen, who's one of your regular listeners. Hi, Millie. Um, hi, Phil. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to the podcast. I've listened to them when I've been walking my dog, and I've just really enjoyed hearing about Millie's life. Um, And I wish you and Millie and your families all the best for the future. And if Millie is ever um, in Lytham, she's welcome to look me up. Not that she knows where I live, but uh, I shall look out for her. Take care. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. It's beautiful, isn't it? And and Diane is a local. She's from Lytham. And I think she would absolutely love, love to have a cup of tea, shout you a cup of tea one day. Maybe we can sort that out some at some point down the track next time. Yes, I'm when over. things when things get better with yes. all these uh, regulations yeah, and things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to fire some more questions at you. Think back to your very first ever job at whatever age. Could have been when you were very very young, but your very very first job. What was it? Well, well, for a few weeks I had to deliver milk during the war, half a dozen bottles, that's all, because it was really my brother's job. Um, But he broke his arm after the first week, and it was a question that the local dairy had no one to deliver these bottles of milk. Uh, There was for people who worked at night, you see, and they wanted a, a bottle of milk on the doorstep in the morning. So I took his job over. I think I would be about nine then. And uh, I was very glad when it finished. It only happened for a few short weeks, but it was in the winter. And my first real job was in the civil service. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it at all. So after six months, <laughs> I said to my dad, I'm really bored. I don't like this job. And he said, well, find yourself another job and you can leave. So I did. <laughs> I was 46 when I eventually found my dream job. Mm. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I was there for 19 years. I was, there, I was there from 1977 to 1996. Mm. That's when I retired at 65. It only took you until 46 to find your dream job. <laughs> yeah. And you never gave up. Actually, for, when I first went to work for Fileborough Council, I really went to work in, uh, to be the assistant in charge, that was the title, uh, at the Ashton Theatre. But unfortunately, it burnt down within a few months. I didn't set fire to it. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to be out of a job anyway. Uh, my boss um, said, uh, look, there's a position coming vacant in the next couple of months. So if you make yourself useful the next two months doing whatever's necessary you know what we need you to do uh he said the job's yours <laughs> you wouldn't you couldn't do that now you see you'd have to it would all have to be very official and you'd have to be interviewed etc yeah absolutely mm. well but still networking is still a powerful thing so i have a, a lovely written message which i'll read out to you from uh olwyn reday who is one of your loyal listeners, and she says, Thank you so much, Millie and Phil, and and indeed your beautiful nightingale of a granddaughter, uh, for entertaining me. I was born in Blackpool and grew up there and have known the place so well. I'm now at retirement age as a WASPI, W-A-S-P-I. Women who have been deprived of a full pension Right, so, um, and she's wondering how that would have gone down with you. So we are a group of women, around 30,000 uh, <coughs> women, who are being deprived of a full p- pension as the government didn't inform of the change of national insurance stamps when married women were working in the 1970s. 
music doesn't yes. sound, do you, does this ring a bell for you at all? Yes, it does actually. Um, I was uh, working as a nurse at the time and uh, one of the my colleagues told me about this and said, you know, we need to uh, we need to pay the full insurance. We need to change our our stamps, you know. And and I did. Uh, I didn't I didn't get the full pension, but um, I'm one of the fortunate ones that gets part of my husband's pension. Mm, right, right. And of course that that old now you don't that doesn't happen either, you know. Right. Well, she goes on to say, you seem like a fighter on all fronts and I would love to have known you or have had you as a neighbour, especially as now as uh, I am disabled and a widow following the early demise of my husband at 55, who was my carer. Um, I can't imagine much stopping you. Uh, my great-grandmother was a suffragette and part of the Charterists in Manchester, Accrington. And my own nana was a wonderful woman who survived cancer twice and lost her husband to being a bomb disposal investigator in World War II and died slowly of shrapnel poisoning. Oh, how terrible. Um, her daughter, who would have been my auntie, was killed in the, in the blackout on Park Road, Blackpool, at 16 years of age. And my dad was missing, presumed dead in Burma, but came home in 1946. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Um, what tragedies. Oh, well, and, and to think that your dad's <coughs> been killed and then to have him turn up at home a year after the war's finished. Unbelievable. Um, my mum's family was more <coughs> tragic as all her three brothers were officers in the RAF and all died within 18 months. There is a memorial stone to them over a small church in at the back of Bolton Street that runs parallel to Lytham Road at the end near the Manchester pub by the old lifeboat station. I suppose every family has their stories, but yours was wonderful and really <coughs> gave me such joy and enveloped me into your life. You have a great gift of storytelling and your life will go on forever. Thank you for sharing Alwyn Reday. Isn't that beautiful? It is. Well, I'm not surprised about her father coming home in 1946 because they were the Forgotten Army in Burma, you know. A lot of them, my cousin included, uh, my cousin Eric, uh, they were very late getting home. Very late indeed. Mm. Because they were so mistreated and they had to furlough for a long time and recover. Well, yes. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's right. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and what a terrible situation for all those 30,000 women affected by by that yeah. situation. It's pretty awful, isn't it? And it still hasn't yeah. been addressed, obviously, very controversial, very political. Mm. Yes. Um, all right, well, I'll, I'll give you a couple more voice messages. Here we go. Um, now, this one comes from my friend, uh, a good friend of mine, Nick Zerick, who is, um, who's just loved listening to to your story, and I'll just I don't know whether you've met Mick. You might have met Mick and Julie, um, but I'll play you Mick's message. Hi Millie, it's Michael here from Bullingarook in Victoria, Australia. One of the most disappointing things in life is that you often only get to know people when you hear their eulogy and discover what interesting and amazing people they were. This podcast changed that by allowing you to introduce us to your life, your family, and your amazingly devoted father, Harry. What I loved most about Mondays with Millie was that it was just like sitting around the kitchen table having a chat. I've known Phil and Kirsten for many years, but I now feel like I'm part of the family. Thanks for allowing us into your life, Doreen. Oh, that's very kind. It's mm. beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. It is. That's lovely. Yeah, it's a lovely message. Um <coughs> And, uh, I met so I met so many nice people in with the different you know I've been over there nine times haven't I mm. and I met such lovely people that I've never forgotten. Mm. Well, Mick, Mick and Julie are beautiful people, and um, and they they've really enjoyed listening to your story. So, uh, and I've got some more questions for you. So, what was your first trip abroad? <laughs> well, um, I don't think. 
I, I don't know whether you can class Jersey as abroad, uh, although it is an island, isn't it, mm. off, off England. But um, so that was my first trip. But my first real trip to foreign shores was my honeymoon in Paris. At the age of? I was, uh, well, that was 29. when I married John. Yeah, 29. 29 yeah, yeah, in yeah. 1960. Mm. Wow, you were 29 before you went abroad. <laughs> We wow. didn't choose a very good time to go because um, while we were, it coincided with Khrushchev's visit. So uh, so everywhere we went, you know, the Russian president was there and there were literally hundreds of gendarmes all over the place. And everywhere we seemed to go, he decided to go on the same day. So we'd arrive at different places, different museums, and find we had to stand outside for an hour waiting for his party to depart. <laughs> yeah, typical typical Russian yeah. Russian Soviet <laughs> visitor, you know, taking yes. up, taking up all the attention. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you if you could have ever in any of your at any time in your life could have done a job swap with somebody, which job would you have gone and done? could have taken someone else's job and swapped it it would have been an actor's job you know an act and swap with an actress really mm -hmm. i think thora heard thora heard mm. <laughs> okay yep yep i don't remember her but she was a stage or a screen actress oh a very famous actress yes on on in film or on stage uh, in films in films and then on television and i think she was 90 when she was still appearing in La last of the summer wine oh wow okay yeah wow um okay what's the best piece of advice you ever received well i think from my dad um it was just he used to say be kind. I know this sounds a bit cheesy, but he did. He used to say, I'd, I'd grumble about somebody, you know, or, or kick off about something or other. And he'd say, be kind. You don't know. You don't know what's going on in their mind, do you? You don't know what trouble they have. Hmm. He, hmm. Was, he was uh, the ultimate guide angel on your shoulder, wasn't he, really? Yes. It was another way of saying, think about the other person's point of view. Yeah, of course. No. What, uh, what are two of the most useful items that you have? Two, <laughs> the two most useful items that you have. Well, I'm sat in front of the best one, aren't I? My iPad. <laughs> Which you gave me. Yes, well, that's not a leading question. I didn't, I wasn't. No, either. no, no. Yeah. And the second one, I think, is my electric toothbrush. Your electric toothbrush. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think I've got your other one. And you gave that, you know, you've, I've still got, that was my first ever electric oh, yeah. toothbrush. <laughs> is your old one that you left here when you came to Australia, which yeah. is still going, I have to say. I hope you got. I was going to say. I hope you got a new head for it. Oh, I have know, definitely. Oh, definitely, definitely, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, I've got some more voice messages for you. There are a few, Millie. So this one comes from Bomber. Now this one's a, a little bit of a longer one, but it's worth listening to. Um, you remember Bomber from our second I, meeting? I remember Bomber very well. Mm, yes. Yes. Mm. Well, you'll you'll like this, it, and it it is quite a long <laughs> one, but it's worth the wait. Here we go. For me, the, the biggest impact is uh, obviously being an expat myself living in the US, hearing, hearing the voices of a, a Northern English woman uh, obviously reminds me of my upbringing and my time in the UK and takes me back there. And then there's different moments in your journey as you talk through things with Doreen that just have me thinking back about how life has just passed us by a little bit, you know, like the last SARS pandemic. 
the, that brutal story that was a little bit of a uh, insight into what was to come. Hearing your voice, an Australian, reminds me of, of my life in Australia and, um, and the things I've left behind there as well. So that's a, a, an obviously a warming part. But I think probably the, the biggest impact for me, mate, is Neve's voice. She's got such a gorgeous voice. And for me, yet again, it's living somewhere and uh, missing out on, on maybe some of the interactions that you'd have if we weren't all burdened by the tyranny of distance. So very relative to um, what uh, what the Colonel and you and Doreen have gone through. So... Um, yeah, love love the podcast, love the quirkiness of it, and uh, know that you very much put on your podcast voice at the beginning of each show. He's having a dig at me there, Millie. He reckons I've got a podcast voice that's, you know, maybe try and sound a little bit like the BBC or something like that, you know. Well, talking about the Colonel, uh, you know, you were talking about nicknames. What about Kirsten's nickname? Colonel, you know. Well, Colonel. So, yeah, so um, Bomber's reference to Colonel. So my wife, Kirsten, I might have mentioned this before, but Kirsten I've known as, I've nicknamed her the Colonel when we were I met her backpacking. And uh, it came about because her initials are KFC, just like <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. So the Colonel, like Colonel Sanders. And it's stuck. But, you, mm. but you know, Christopher, her brother Christopher, thought for many years that you called a colonel because she was bossy. <laughs> so <he> said, <laughs> Do you think she's bossy? I'm not going to... That's not a question in the no, quiz. No, she's that's, not bossy. No, no, she's well, not. She's definitely not. No, she's not bossy, really, but <laughs> that was what he said anyway. <laughs> but uh, I have fond memories of Bomber. I have... I mean, the first time I met Bomber, it was when he was a flatmate of Kirsten's. Mm. In London, all those years ago, you remember? Yes, yes. And I remember going to visit her in London when she was working there, and uh, before she set off on her travels, of course. And um, there was all this wet washing uh, all over the place, and there were there were men's clothes, you know. And I said, "Who do these belong to?" And she said, "Oh, that's one of my flatmates, Bomber." She said. Uh, he plays rugby every week. I said, well, there's, there's several weeks washing here. She said, no, 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 it's not dry. It doesn't dry very well. So it can take a, a couple of weeks to dry. <laughs> so she lived amongst wet washing most of the time. Now, that is not a story I've ever heard before. And I'll be giving, <laughs> yeah. I'll be, I'll just be finding out from Bomber's lovely wife, Tash, whether he's, um, develop some domesticated skills in that area or whether he still leaves yes. his wet washing lying around. Um, and, of course, he, he did wear a wig, didn't he? When you had your second wedding reception over here, he turned up in this black curly wig. <laughs> yeah, he was having another dig at me. See, this is at my yeah. relationship with him. We just have this constant bickering <laughs> and, you know, point scoring going backwards and forwards, which we both <laughs> love, Absolutely. All right, so another question for you. What are you watching on TV or, or listening to? You're probably watching. You'll do like your telly. So what, what are you on into at the moment? Uh, well, every afternoon I watch Jag, two episodes of episodes of Jag, J-A-G. Oh, what's that? What is it? It's... Um, uh, let me think what it's got. It's, it's about the Justice Department of the Navy in America, mm, yes. Mm. And it's very interesting, very interesting. And they have two episodes uh, from one till three in an afternoon. So you love that. Now, are you drawn to that because of the whole Navy connection, the America connection? Do you think it's got a little bit of those flavours in it that kind of attracts you in your own <coughs> story? Probably. Hmm. And some of the episodes, of course, uh, they fly onto the ship and uh, one of the big ships and they have to do investigations there. You know, I find it interesting. Mm, lovely. Favourite movie of all time? What is it? I think <laughs> I think I liked Pygmalion, the original Pygmalion. That's mm. a lot. 
goes back a long time. Yeah. Rex Harrison was in that. Right. It was a black and white film. Mm. Pygmalion, okay. Pygmalion. I don't think mm. I've ever seen that. Well, um, it became, they changed the, the name, didn't they? But also used to like Ronald Coleman, anything with Ronald Coleman in. Anything with Ronald Coleman. See, and yes. he, that's pretty ancient too, you know. Oh, well, that's a different era and I don't, I don't, I don't know who he is. So, But that's all right. I can Google him. All right, I've got another voice message for you. Oh, I've, excuse me. I've, I've remembered. My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady. Oh, yes. Okay. It, it was really the, the Pygmalion story, Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion. Mm. Ah, so My Fair Lady was originally called Pygmalion, was it? Yeah. Well, that was the story, yes. Ah, right, yeah. right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lovely, beautiful. My Fair Lady, that was Audrey Hepburn, wasn't it? That's right, yes. Uh, okay. Eliza Doolittle, Eliza Doolittle. Mm. Mm. Okay, lovely. All right, I've got another one for you. Uh, this one comes from a good friend of mine, um, Melissa Williams. So she's the wife of a, my oldest friend in the world, Steve. Hi, Millie. It's Mel from Melbourne. I just want to say a big thank you to you for your wonderful memories and amazing stories that you have you told Phil on the podcast over the last year. I've really enjoyed getting up Monday morning and listening to your podcast on my way to work to the hospital. It really made my day. I hope you have a lovely Christmas and thanks again. The people are so kind, aren't they? They are. They're, they're sending the mm. kindness back your way. Absolutely they are. And Mel's a, Mel's a beautiful person and she just loves absolutely every episode that's come out. She's been right on, on top of it. Now, you might remember a couple of, a few episodes ago, I had a friend of mine, Matt Heinrich, play the piano on a couple of the tracks that we did. Oh, I did, yes. He, oh, yes, it was lovely. Yes, yes. well, he's, he's a, an, another um, loyal listener and he's sent this message. Millie, Matt Heinrich here in Melbourne. What an absolute joy it is to spend Mondays with you, from memorable stories of moving pianos to your washing machine and iPad, all of the laughs and giggles in between. Thank you for sharing your life and warmth with others. Beautiful. <laughs> Lovely words. He, I'd, lo I'd love to have heard more of his music. It was uh, played the piano beautifully. Well, he does play the piano beautifully. Yeah. We, we call him Piano Matt, actually. <laughs> a great musician and a great person and a very good friend. And thanks to you, Matt, for that message. That's lovely. Now, question for you, Millie. Who's a, a well-known person that you can think of? Someone who's made a real impression on you in your life. Well, that's that's a difficult one. That That is difficult. I need to think about that, Phil. Right. Quite a few who have inspired me. There was a sister at the hospital I used to work for, and um, she was she was a single parent. She had been married. She had two daughters, but she was a single parent, and she was very down to earth, but also very protective. And occasionally, I I got into a bit of a fix, you know, sometimes. Uh, they used to send me out to different hospitals when they were short of staff. I mean, in those days, in the 70s, they were still short of staff. And uh, if, if I'd dropped a clangor somewhere and they'd complain about me, she'd always stick up for me, you know. And, uh, yeah, she was she was a lovely person. She was very important to me. Mm. We, did you have a friendship? Yes, we did. She died a few years ago. Mm. Yes, even when I left the hospital uh, for health reasons, she uh, we, we we kept in contact. Oh. And when the hospital was closing down, you know, they did pull it down, which was a shame. They've built a housing estate there now. Um, she made sure that I was invited to the final um, the final um, celebration they had. There were lots of people there who had worked there and left, you know, um, and she made sure that um, 
that I was included in the celebration. Well, it wasn't a celebration, really. It was like a wake. <laughs> now, this is going to be an interesting question for you. If you could choose any three people in history, <coughs> that you could turn the clock back and invite them to a, a meal, to sit down with you at a meal, which three people would you invite? Any three people in history. Oh, you do give me some jobs, don't you? You should have given me time. Well, Winston Churchill, definitely. That would definitely. be... He'd, he'd be on my list, definitely. Why? Yeah. Why definitely. Winston Churchill? Because, well, he came back, you know. I mean, he was out of favour before the war. And he came back and he... I know he made mistakes. He was a human being when all said and done. Some people said he should have done this and he should have done that. But there's no, no doubt about it. He saved us. He saved our bacon. Mm. Mm. And I think his health suffered because of it. Because he, you know, he he, um, he got very little rest. Apparently had, he, he slept only for a very few hours a night. And he lived to to the age of ninety. I can't I can't yes. quite believe yeah. that for a man who yeah. had quite a strong dependence on alcohol yeah. and yeah. very little sleep. He did all right, really. Who else and would you invite? Yeah, go on. Margaret Thatcher, of course. Mm, of course, I thought you might mention Margaret her. Margaret Thatcher. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You remember Kirsten's fortieth birthday, and everyone was in fancy dress, and I came as Margaret Thatcher. And you had a sash. Had, you had a sash. I on had you. a sash which said "The Iron Lady." <laughs> <laughs> and you looked a lot like her, actually. <laughs> the blue silk, the blue silk suit I had on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and the theme, the theme of that party was the best of British, and so yes. uh, so you chose you chose uh, very carefully. That was a good one. Okay. Yes, I did. I did. Yes, and I think. And I think before that, um, I think, I think I would have liked to have met the Queen, mm. the Queen, you know. I mean, I, I did go to Buckingham Palace, as you know, a couple of years ago mm. for a special reason. Not for me, of course, mm -mm. not for me, for mm. one of my family. Uh, and, and it wasn't the Queen that was there. It was the Prince Charles. Um, but I would have loved to have met the Queen and have a really good chat to her in private, you mm, know. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Imagine those three people at the one table. <laughs> Margaret <laughs> yes. Thatcher, Winston Churchill and the Queen. Yes. I, don't, I, don't... I know the Queen was very fond of Winston Churchill. I'm not sure she got on quite so well with Margaret Thatcher because, of course, they're two very, very strong characters. Mm. Mm. Yeah, be an interesting dinner table conversation, though, it wouldn't would. it? <laughs> yes, it would. It would. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got I've got a couple more messages for you. So this comes from Olivia Egan. Now, Olivia is a friend of Kirsten. She lives in Philadelphia, and <laughs> she was at our wedding in the UK when we had our reception in the UK. So this is from Olivia. Hi, Doreen, Phil, and Neve. This is Liv, one of Kirsten's friends. I just wanted to say a very big thank you for your wonderful podcast series. Doreen, you are simply inspirational. I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to your account, your many, many, many stories, memories, and talking about key moments in history. Some episodes had me literally laughing out loud, such as I think the bride's ale and the bank manager and the drunk sofa um, ladies <laughs> on the sofa. Um, the alligator in the bath with the madhouse. I loved hearing Doreen t um, talk about Kirsten and Amanda's travels, describing when she met Kirsten, met you, Phil, and of course when you got married, which I was very privileged to be part of your celebrations in St Anne's at your wedding, together with when she describing your first home together, which I believe I stayed with you um, when I was on my travels down under many, many years ago. Neve, your singing was simply amazing. You're such a talented lady. Take care, and I hope to see you all very, very soon. Bye. Oh, yes, I remember that young lady. 
she's, Very nice. She, she stayed with us in Australia, I think, when we were living at Portland Street. She came out and stayed with us for a little while. But what a lovely message. And she, she knows her stuff. She actually quoted specific episodes that she liked. This is from Jackie Irvin, who's in based in Adelaide in South Australia. Hello, Millie. This is just wishing you a very happy Christmas from Adelaide, South Australia. I'm Jackie Lardner. Phil had mentioned me to you in one of the podcasts. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you because I am a St Anne's girl and I really miss the town. I was hoping to have come back last year, but it never happened. So hopefully in the next couple of years I'll be back there and it would be wonderful to see you. I've just been so delighted to hear your whole life story. It's been wonderful. I've had laughs, I've had cries. So thank you ever so much, Millie. I so appreciate everything that you have and Phil have done. Okay, have a happy Christmas and a wonderful 2022. Take care. Much love. Bye. That was so nice. That's, that's beautiful, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's funny because Jack, Jackie's, you know, written a few little messages from time to time, and she, um, she, <laughs> she's. You just get it in your head how a person sounds, and she, she doesn't have it, her English accent at all anymore. You can't pick up no. any sort of hint <laughs> of it. She sounds very Australian. Obviously, <laughs> been here a long time. Um, but beautiful words, Jackie. Thank you so much. And uh, I know just how much you've appreciated um, listening to, to Millie's story and I'm sure it resonated. All right, a couple more questions before we finish. Who do you think would make a really good subject of a podcast, Millie? Who do you think would be an entertaining person to have as a pod person on a podcast? I think Paul, my eldest son Paul, but of course. He, he's not into doing that sort of thing, you know. He's too busy training dogs, etc. <laughs> but he's, he had some wonderful... St- well, actually, both the boys... I mean, Krista has some wonderful naval stories, which you never hear from him. And uh, same with Paul, with his police stories, you know. He had some hilarious adventures when he was in the police. <laughs> I used to love it when... When we got together, you know, which hasn't been very often, of course, since they all grew up and dispersed, but when they got on the occasions when they were together and firing off stories, and I just absolutely loved it, you know, listening to both of them telling their funny stories and their adventures. Millie, tell us about your, do you have a scariest moment in your life that you can recall? Yes, I was uh, I was seventeen, and I'd been babysitting for a friend, and it was about eleven o'clock at night. I was going home. I was within about fifty yards of my home, and in those days, um, you know, during the war, they lots of streets had these communal air raid shelters, and it took many years for some of them to be removed, and they would be half on the pavement and half on the road, you see. And they'd take about, I would say, about 40 people you could get inside these shelters. Well, what they did after the war with a lot of them, they just put uh, a board across the door, uh, the inner door, shall I say, uh, but you could step inside like an open porch. And I hated walking past this shelter. It was at the end of the street where I lived, Marsden Road in Blackpool. And I came past there. And as I came past, someone stepped out from this shelter and grabbed hold of me by the neck and started to drag me inside. And I I just stopped breathing, really. But fortunately, my father, it was just after Christmas, and my father had bought me this handbag, which I, I'd chosen it myself. And the, the style in those days was for a, 
boxy handbag. So they were they were firm, they were hard, like a square box, and you, you opened it out flat, you see. And I had this handbag in my hand, and I just lifted my arm up and hit whoever was behind me, and I, I must have caught him in the eye with the corner of this hard bag. And he, he, this voice suddenly went, shouted, oh, oh, and let go of me. And I started to run and I ran home and I lost my voice. I couldn't, I couldn't tell, I, I was banging on the door. I couldn't tell my father what was wrong with me at first. I was absolutely terrified. And what really frightened me was, with losing my voice, I couldn't scream. I couldn't shout for help. But that really scared me. Oh. I've never forgotten it. Anyway, uh, after that, my father went to the police station and told them, you know, you have to get rid of this shelter. And uh, within a week, uh, some workmen came and knocked the shelter down. Wow, gosh. Of course, I never found out who it was. No, no. He, he ran away. Mm. I think my mum tells a story one day of... Um... A, a similar story where a guy, a, a man, she went to walk around um, past somebody who was walking towards her and he kept standing in her way and, you know, there was a bit of a, a moment and she had a milk bottle in her hand. She must have been taken back from the shops and she just broke it over his head <laughs> and, <laughs> and ran away. <laughs> Yeah. And Gwen was so tiny, wasn't she? I she can was, imagine she, that. She was tiny, but she was feisty <laughs> yeah. and she could look after herself. And I think that's part of your strength too, Millie. You know, you you, you had <laughs> you had the strength to to do that and defend yourself. I was just and... so I was just so glad that I had that hard, hard handbag, you know. Mm, mm. It was like a hard box. Mm. Mm, those moments, yeah, amazing, yeah. isn't it? My second last question. Favourite place in the entire world? A special place. A special place. Well, the Japanese gardens in Singapore. Mm. Our last trip together, it was John's last trip, um, because he'd started to be ill then, uh, and we always stayed three days each way, you know, travelling to Australia, three days in Singapore and three days on the way back and we went out to the Chinese and Japanese gardens, went on the train and uh, we spent the afternoon there and we sat down and um, it was just beautiful and John just said I'll meet you here in the Japanese garden. Mm. It's a lovely place. Mm. Yep. If you ask me in Australia, well, I think I, I love the peninsula in the, the Mornington Peninsula. Mm. Kirsten took me there twice. It was lovely. Mm. Well, it, you know, what Beautiful. do they say? It's it's not necessarily the places, it's the people that you're with, isn't it? You know, it's a bit of... Yes. It's, um, it's those moments that you absolutely treasure. It's, it's, thank you for sharing that. That's absolutely gorgeous. I want to read you one and play you one more um, before we sort of finish off. This message comes from Lisa Dold, who's one of your listeners. And she says, um, have really enjoyed the Millie podcasts. Fantastic job. And what a record to pass on to your family. <coughs> a potted history of life in the north of England. Millie's voice and memory are so strong. You would never think she was 90. And really telling things as it was and is. A northern thing, no edges. Spent a lot of time going back to Blackpool October and November and sadly my mum passed mid-November at the age of 86. 
although my sister and I moved away, as you did, uh, for uni at 18 and ended up due, um, due to work staying away, uh, and Lisa's been living in Germany for 30 years now, um, my sister lives in Surrey. Blackpool uh, will always have great memories. I'm sure I remember the police dog, <coughs> Zach, uh, and reading about him in the Evening Gazette. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we both went to Leighton Hill Convent and then on to Collegiate Sixth Form. <coughs> My sister was born in 1961 and me in 63, so a bit older than Kirsten. Um, daughter's voice is beautiful. Well done with the pod. Thanks to you and Millie and Neve. Love from Lisa. Beautiful. Very nice. That was lovely. Yeah. <coughs> and I've got uh, one more from a good friend, uh, Alison. Hi, Doreen. This is Alison Danby, Kirsten's friend who lives in Leeds. I just wanted to say that I've loved listening to your podcasts every Monday and hearing you chatting along with Phil. Um, I've laughed and cried along the way, and I'm really sorry it's coming to an end, but what a wonderful gift for your family to remember. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Beautiful. There's so many nice people. There are very lots of nice people out there and um, very good friends, very good friends. So, um, all right, I only have one more question for you and, and it's probably I've saved the most important one to last, Millie. Okay, so you ready for this? Here I we, never know what's coming. You never know <laughs> what's coming, you don't know. Pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? Pizza. On a pizza, pineapple, yes or yes. no? Oh, yes. 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 Hawaiian, yes, Hawaiian pizza. Hawaiian pizza, yes. Is that a yes from you? Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's controversial. What a way to con controversial way to finish a podcast, Millie. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I know you don't like it. <laughs> oh, as a, as a true Italian, well, not really true, <laughs> more, more more like a half Italian. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm quite... Um, yeah, I'm quite shocked by that revelation. Well, can I say it's been it's been a delight, and this podcast has kept me going. It really has. It's it. I'm I'm just sorry that a lot more elderly people haven't had the opportunity to do this, um, because I'm sure there are lots of things that when when they when we're gone, our, our children and grandchildren will say, "Oh, I should have." have asked about that I should have asked about that I I do that now thinking about my father I think there were, there were things I should have asked and didn't get around to doing it well I can only say that I'm I feel a great sense of achievement for having worked on this with you I have a great sense of feeling honored that I get to spend this time with you and that that we get to talk about the things that I've always found interesting and I've, as you know, I've just loved your stories and and I'm just so thankful that we've we've got this medium that we can capture and, and pass on some great stuff, you know. Um, so it's yeah. just been an absolute delight and a pleasure and an honour for me. So thank, thank you, Millie. Well, thank you to everybody who's who's been interested and listened and and God bless all of you and I hope you have a, a very happy Christmas Oh the weather outside is frightful That fire isn't delightful Since we've got no place to go Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow doesn't show signs of stopping and I brought some corn for popping the lights are turned down low let it snow let it snow let it snow when we finally kiss goodnight how I'll hate going out in the
the storm but if you really hold me tight all the way home i'll be warm the fire is slowly dying and my dear we're still goodbye as long as you love me so let it snow 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 let it snow, let it snow.